Walter Love with Brent and Jeff. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Good evening. Welcome to The Altar Life. I'm Jeff. I'm Brent. And we are here closing out our Servanthood series in the book of 2 Timothy. I can't believe it. Wow, we Eight episodes, and we're drawing ever closer to the mammoth 200th episode, just six short weeks away. Can you wow. believe that? We're at episode 194 tonight, six more episodes to 200. We're going to kick off the night with great music by Inhabited. Are you with me? Tonight's topic, The Forsaken Servant. <laughs> The Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. Brilliant! All right, Altar Life, all you Altar Life listeners, thanks for being with us again. Um, altar Lifers. <laughs> altar Lifers. I so we should We should have t-shirts yeah. that we sell that you can buy if you're an Altar Lifer. Yeah. I would hope that you could buy them if we were selling them. That would, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> we have so little merch. <laughs> I don't think we have any merch, actually. No, we don't. Yeah, it's only been five years. Maybe we gotta we'll work get on a that. T-shirt one of these days. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We're so not about the old. Uh, <laughs> we like selling ourselves. No wonder only ten listeners tune in. <laughs> kind of goes with the music truth real thing, right? Yeah. We're just trying to be real. Come on, man. Come on. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, Paul. It's interesting, you know, as we talk about the topic, yeah, being forsaken, uh, the forsaken servant. Paul just went through this awesome. You know, in Second Timothy, went through this awesome dissertation about how he's at the end of his life. He's poured out. We were talking about that last week, and just you know, he goes out with a bang. And you would think that would be the end of the the chapter, right? It's like you know, and I'm going to meet Jesus, and I'm going to get my crown in heaven, and yeah, grace end. and peace, amen. Yeah, right, <laughs> grace and peace. Yeah, he's like peace. He goes, but then he continues, and he goes, be diligent to come to me quickly because Demas has forsaken. So he starts talking about these people that have left him. Like abandoning him at the end of his life. And Demas has forsaken me. He having loved this present world has departed. Whoa. You know, yeah. in direct contrast to what we talked about last week with, you know, just selling everything and running the, the race and reaching the crown. Here's Demas forsaking him, having loved the present world more than that good race, that good fight. And... Um, Man, Paul is just is just talking about all these people that have left him and how he reflects on how the Lord has not left him. So tonight we're just going to be kind of delving into, you know, as you run, as you as you pursue heaven, as you pursue the good things, um, you know, sometimes that means that people will abandon you and people will leave you and you'll find yourself alone. And it's not, you know, a lonely alone because God is with you. But sometimes it can be lonely if you're looking at it from a... You know, from a you know people perspective, you're all the, the only one walking that way, and that's okay because that's sometimes where God has us to rely and ho- so wholly trust in Him. People start to think you're crazy the more you lay your life down for God. True story. Um, not that I'm going to tell you one. I'm just saying that that that's a true story. <laughs> um, but that's what Paul's coming in contact with. You know, there's no one could rival Paul when it comes to like being radical in in his faith and he's just he's like you know what it, yeah I'm, I'm coming to the end of my life and i'm by myself you know it's me and god and this isn't like a a loner type of mentality you know i'm sure paul could have he loved 
the companionship that people, you know, he, he mentioned, uh, was it Onisiferous? No, I was wrong. <laughs> that guy, Onisiferous, sir, we talked about earlier when he's like, you know, he came and, and you know, he's going to be rewarded because he, he searched diligently for me when I was in prison and all that. You know, Paul loved that. And, you know, he says, only Luke is with me. Luke, the author of the book of Luke and, and Acts and stuff. So, you know, we get to that point where God will kind of isolate us and he'll get us to a point where it's just him and us. Because sometimes I think we can rely too heavily on those around us to keep us on the straight and narrow. And God's like, you know what? They're, they're not helping you. They're hurting you. So I'm going to let them go. And you're going to be like, what? I'm all by myself. I can't, I can't do it without them. And that's when God shows us just how much he can do for us. And I read through this. Um, we can read through a little bit. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus, I don't know. <laughs> Tychicus, I, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. <laughs> How come we don't have kids named Carpus running around? I think or Tychicus. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I just laughed at that. Yeah. <laughs> and the books, especially the parchments, that's pretty neat. He wants to read. He's he's probably cold. He wants his cloak. You know, he wants to read the books, the, the scriptures. It's pretty neat that he's asking for those things. And he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. <laughs> May the Lord repay him according to his works. That, <laughs> I love Paul. I know. <laughs> he's like so real. He's like, and God has laid up a crown of righteousness for, for me. <laughs> Alex the coppersmith. Get him. <laughs> Sick him. <laughs> and he warns, you must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. And at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. How neat is that? You know, Paul, Paul he's, he's got a, his perspective on his friends, his perspective on the people is, there's two categories. The people that are in the ministry, in the, in the trenches with him, ministering the gospel of Christ, and people who are all about themselves, the pleasures of this world, and um, their own agenda. Those are the two groups of people in the world. That's how he boils it down. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think that's neat. Yeah, I mean, some of the people he describes, you know, he's like, I sent them away. It's not like they all just kind of abandoned him. But for him, you know, he's like, I. it was for the kingdom that he sent these people out too. You know, so that, like Brent was saying, there's two categories. There's those people that went and, you know, they were working in the trenches of the kingdom of God, bringing it to pass. And then there was the ones that were just like, no, this world is better. Like Demas. Unfortunately, I had a friend growing up named Demas and we picked on him for this verse all the time. But, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting because I love this part of the scripture because a lot of times we can see this as just like housekeeping, you know, like, okay, well, this isn't like, I'm not going to put this on my mirror or, you know, when it says bring the parchments, (laughs) like what context can I use that in? But this is like, this shows the realness of the scripture. This is a letter. He's writing a letter to someone. And he says, what's great is, I mean, you see the reconciliation. Get Mark and bring him, for he is useful to me. Which is, if you remember, Mark is the one who left when it was Paul and Barnabas. And they had a big fight. Or no, Paul and and Barnabas. They had the big fight. They split over Mark because Paul didn't want Mark to come because he kind of like gave up and went back home. And uh, now he's saying, look, he's useful. Bring him to me. You know, so not only are people abandoning him, but people are being reconciled. So there's always that silver lining. You're listening to The Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsake me. 
forsook me. You know, and this kind of speaks to the cost. You know, Paul's in prison for his faith. You know, and at, at his first defense, no one stood with him. You know, I just picture him in the courtroom and like everyone's against Paul. And he's like, you guys who were like my friends, my co-laborers, you're, no one was with me. I was all by myself carrying the load for the gospel of Christ. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I I speak to that because I think I ask myself the question, what if I was in court because of my faith and or a, a brother got arrested for his faith and you know, would I be on his defense? Would I volunteer to stand with him in the in the you know in the courtroom and risk being punished myself? Um, I don't know how I I don't know I don't know how I'm going to answer that. <laughs> Think about that. That was "Nobody Loves Me" by Derek Webb. A great song. The message just really speaks about what we're talking about tonight: standing up for the truth and how that makes you unpopular. And, um, you know, Derek Webb, you guys can just be lifting him up in prayer. You know, a lot of people are skeptical of him and he doesn't always make the right decisions or say good things. So we want to, when we have these people up in the spotlight and we kind of like put our, put them on a pedestal and then they don't live up to the expectations that we, uh, that we place on them, then, you know, we, we get all shattered and we realize like, oh, wow, they're not perfect. But, you know, we just want to, we want him to to cling to the truth that he's singing about. So anyway, that's just a little side note. But what we're talking about tonight is interesting because we're talking about people who have loved the world and, you know, are abandoning the ministry and the the calling that was placed on their life. And uh, Paul's saying, hey, man, Demas, and and something that I just think is incredible, you know, Paul talks about being forsaken and, you know, there's a lot of people who feel forsaken in Scripture, but God is always there with them. And what a thankful thing and what something just to stop and, and take notice of is, you know, David says, you know, when father or mother forsake me, the Lord's going to be with me. And none of us ever have to experience what it's like to be completely forsaken because Jesus experienced it for us on the cross. Everybody can be forsaken by people, but God will never forsake us. The only person who ever experienced God forsaking him was Jesus in our place. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul understood. And that's why he could say, you know what? But the Lord stood with me. I don't have to worry about those people. God's going to take care of them. Alexander, the coppersmith, <laughs> his copper was terrible. I don't, you know, I don't know what he did. It's just, he didn't mean much harm. Maybe he like burned them with his, his anvil or something. I don't know. Where <laughs> he dropped an anvil on him, like Looney Tunes style. <laughs> Stupid Paul turned Alexander. into an accordion, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. bouncing up and down. I knew I didn't like the name Alexander. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now I have a reason. In case why. you're wondering which Alexander I'm talking about, the Coppersmith. Yeah, I know. It's like you can't get away this time, Coppersmith. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, it just speaks to the cost that comes with the gospel. We we tend to dismiss that part of our faith because in United States, everyone. It's what if it's good for you? That's fine. You know, we kind of let people do their own thing, and we don't get involved. But there's a cost to following the Lord, as we continue to talk about tonight. There's nothing you can really do to prepare to rock. Do you prepare to eat a delicious meal? No. Are you hungry? Then you're going to eat it. And I'm hungry for rock, 24/7. The Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. And that was Barlow Girl, Never Alone. And I love the the words in that song because that's what we're talking about tonight. You know. In Christ, we're never alone. You know, we're not, we, like Jeff said, you know, we're never going to experience being completely alone. 
in the sense that we're not going to have anyone around us. Um, we have sometimes the, I love it, especially in the social media world, uh, feeling like we have thousands, hundreds of friends. <laughs> um, but that's not really like, the, they're not really here. You know, we're, we're, we're really alone. We're sitting with our computer, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Jesus, you know, will always be with us. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us, you know, and he will never abandon us. And um, even while we were enemies with him, he was reaching his love out to us. Like he, he's never going to abandon us. And thankfully, Jesus experienced that complete and utter separation from God um, for us, so that we didn't have to um, through the, the work he did on the cross. So, um, praise the Lord for that. You're unbelievable. The altar. This is unbelievable. I cannot believe this. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. All right, that was. Our station ID. (laughs) (laughs) And you're listening to The Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. Hope you like the station you're listening to, whichever one it may be. They just identified themselves, so you should know. Uh, It's time for our unbelievable segment tonight. Something that has nothing to do with the forsaken servant, which is our topic. The idea of Christian fiction, more specifically for women, Christian fiction. I was just, I was waxing long about this with my my wife about what is what are christian women's what's christian women's fascination with amish culture and the romantic entanglement entanglements of involving yourself with one of not that kind (laughs) one from the outside who has a cell phone and it's like oh the battle of should i or should i not (laughs) so like every book is about and discovering yourself along the way. Go on a date to Walmart where we can watch a television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to watch that movie? We could like stand in the window, get some popcorn. True but, uh, story. And yeah, it always has I like observe a, that myself. A distant. It's always got like a, a distant Amish girl in like a field of wheat. <laughs> That's the cover. They're all the same. <laughs> I, you know, it's just the whole genre of Christian fiction is interesting because you have that on the one hand. And then you have male Christian fiction, which is like thriller, suspense, blood books, <laughs> which I love. Armageddon. It's like, doesn't matter. The Battle of Gog and Magog. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> if it was in 2000. <laughs> like, they have like modernized versions of stuff. Yeah. and Somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger's in there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Arnold Magog. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> Magog Rambo. I, um... I can laugh at this because I'm all about it. Like I read like any type of like suspenseful Christian novel that I know I can read without being like depraved, and you know, like, you read like the good clean stuff. It's just really violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's acceptable for Christians, by the way, because the Bible's violent. David yeah. cut off Goliath's head, and carried it around like a bowling ball for crying out loud. <laughs> I can read something with a little bit of blood and guts, as long as there's no like sexual innuendo. <laughs> Oh, speaking of that, I had I saw this picture in a bi- in a Bible in like in front of a Bible, and it had like old pictures, and it was a picture of this of this baby who was dead from, and this guy with a sword over top of it, and my four year old looks opens up a Bible, looks at this picture, and goes, "Daddy, what happened to that baby?" I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Like what kind of it was Bible about is this? it was about Herod, you know, when he killed all the two year olds, yeah. and Jesus, but it was a picture of a two year old being killed. I was like. That is horrible. <laughs> like, do they? I think the word "picture" is good enough. I don't think you need exactly. to hire need to illustrate a world this. famous illustrator. <laughs> I wouldn't be signing that painting. No, <laughs> like illustrated that. by this is the 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I love Christian fiction. You should too. Even if it has to do with Amish people. All right, that was The Outsiders by Need to Breathe. Before that, you heard The Unavoidable Battle of Feeling on the Outside. Maybe that's just me. You know, maybe I don't get the whole Amish Christian fiction love triangle dynamic, but, you know, I guess I'm just always going to be on the outside of that argument. I don't know. And you're probably better off. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I hope my wife never comes home to find me, like, tucked under the covers with a nice Beverly Lewis novel. <laughs> Shout out, Christian fiction authors. What, what? Uh, I'll be like, honey, did you know that in Amish I just, culture... I just can't picture Paul sitting around reading one of those. I know. I just He's don't. like, I got, I got things to do, man. He's like, bring me the parchments, not the ones about the Amish people. Please, I got better things to do. No. He's like, bring me the violent ones. Yeah. It's, anyway, it's crazy. You know, what a different world Paul lived in, right? Where he was sitting in jail for his fate, <laughs> just wanting to read the scripture and caring about who was going to come and meet his Jesus, the one that saved him. Great, great, great stuff. The Altar Life. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Like, Give it all you got, man. That's that's what Paul did. And we talked about that last week. And you know, I just have to be careful how much I say tread lightly because my wife loves those Amish Christian things. That's the last thing I want to say about it, but I love you, honey. I actually, for her birthday, bought two two books like that. So you're guilty of feeding the... Feeding I'm the feeding the Guilty need. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> back to our back to our text yeah, tonight. <laughs> At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Paul, just the, the forgiveness and the the love he had for the brothers, you know, understanding the cost, right? I mean, it's tough, you know? He understood that. It's tough when you're choosing between you can enter into this punishment with me or kind of scoot around and do your own thing. Yeah, it's easier to do your own thing, right? That's the path that most people are going to take. Um, frankly, that would be the most, for me, that would be the most uh, attractive side, you know, for my flesh, you know? Like, I don't want to be in jail with you. I don't want to go through the punishment you're going to go through. Um, but Paul, you know, observing that no one was with him. And you know what? I think I think he was so um, confident that the Lord, and it goes on, it says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully. <laughs> it's great. He's at the very end of his life and he's worried, you know, he's being punished. He's in jail and after, he's still worried about, he's still obsessed over <laughs> of his life the obsession of his life is the message that's being preached it's like but people are still hearing the gospel and that's what I'm all about and so the Lord strengthened me and stood with me even in those things so that the message could be preached I, it has nothing to do with me it never had anything to do with Paul it was always about the message of his life yeah he's not saying he stood with me so I wasn't lonely anymore yeah he's like it's awesome because if God was with me and look Every Gentile will hear because of that. And it, I think it's funny because he's like, the Lord's going to repay Alexander, that coppersmith, but everybody else, you know, don't hold it against them. You know, they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's just funny. Like, but that, I mean, that is Paul's heart. You know, he's, he's, he's saying that because he's warning those other people because just like he did with Timmy, he's like, you know, he gives the warning. We talked about that a few episodes ago, you know, look out for this guy. But at the same time, he's saying, you know, forgive you know, I'm not going to hold this against them because God's with me. That's all that matters. You're listening to the Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. God was enough for Paul, and I, I think it's 
I think it's um, cool when you look at his life and look what he's saying here in, in that he's, he's, he's reaching out to all the people and he's telling Timothy, he's like, I was alone, God strengthened me and stood with me so that the message might be preached fully through me. I'm just a vessel used for this message. And that all the Gentiles might hear his heart toward the Jews and the Gentiles, you know. And also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know, that's not even in the Bible. Like, you don't hear that story anywhere. No! And like, then he just drops it in there, nice little anecdote. I, I was, the message was going out with me, and I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. Timothy's probably like, you were what? <laughs> like, I gotta get so you uh, can tell me that story. I know, he's like, can you expound on that little nugget you just <laughs> you just put in there? That's no, pun, funny. no pun intended, right? Nugget. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. You're listening to The Alter Life with Brent and Jeff. That was captured by Toby Mac. Paul had been captured his share of times, but what was most important was when he got captured by Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because he, he Paul's really good at setting up this whole thing and then bringing in the big but God or but the Lord. And uh, my pastor always says, like, it's really good to do a study on the big butts of the Bible. You know, like when it's like, this happened and this happened, but God. And then, like, it comes in. It's like, I like big butts and I can't lie. So, um, (laughs) but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's a huge thing because he just paints this terrible picture. Everybody's gone. This guy totally did me harm. Don't even associate with him. This is terrible. Everybody forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. And that's all that matters. He's bringing it home and he's saying, that's it. You know what? I can tolerate everything else that happened because God is here with me. doesn't matter. I'm, you know, People are going to think I'm a freak because I am thrown in prison and being stoned. And <laughs> I think it one, there's one part where Paul says something about putting to flight the armies of the aliens. And it, 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 it's in my translation. That's what it says. It's not aliens as we think of it. It's like foreigners or whatever. But it's just like, what if that was true? <laughs> you know, like there's just so many things that he encountered. He talks about he got 40 lashes minus one three different times. Yeah. You know, it's just he went through so much. But God was there with him, which allowed him to be able to overcome all those things. And it didn't matter that his friends were there. You know, yeah. I, and when it all came down to it, he's like, it's okay. And that's a hard place to come to. I know for me, I'm like, I don't like feeling alone. And the dangerous thing is we can stop doing what God wants us to do in order to please those around us. And that's where we get into a really dangerous spot. I think you really hit it when you said, you know, it wasn't about, it wasn't about, he wasn't strengthened and the Lord didn't stand by him. He didn't pick that out just because he wanted to say, and you know, God made me feel better about my situation. (laughs) You know, Paul was able to have this mentality toward his situation because his his the pursuit of his life was the message of the cross. And above that, above and beyond that, that there was nothing else that was the pursuit. So, hey, if it means that I'm in the mouth of a lion because the gospel is being preached, so be it. That was King of Fools by Delirious. Before that, you heard, I'm not ashamed. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, man, I'll, I'd gladly be the King of Fools if it means Christ's preached. Yeah. People are going to think I'm nuts, but... Uh, He goes on and he says, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. You're like, wait a minute, Paul, weren't you just talking about how it's the end of your race? Yeah, Paul's not concerned about this earthly body. You know, similar to what Peter says. He's like, I'm 
the time of my departure, or I think Peter says like my decease or something like that, and he's talking about it. And he's like, I'm going to put off this tent. It's a temporary thing, and it's funny because Paul was a tent maker, so he knew all yeah. about tents. So I'm sure he appreciated Peter's analogy uh, very much. So, and he's saying, you know, he's going to deliver me. In in Paul's mind, his deliverance was in death. I'm going to be delivered from this body that's been beaten and stri- stripped naked and and stoned and and you know whipped and everything that he encountered and shipwrecked and spent time in the ocean overnight and all the different things that he says he's like I'm going to be delivered from that and a lot of times we don't like to think about that because we don't like to think about life outside of our body but Paul's he had what was up the altar life with Brent and Jeff and we have reached the end of our servanthood series and reached the end for tonight um you know, I think as a servant of Christ, you know, when we look through all the episodes, we look through what we've been through, and if you want to catch up on some of those, you can check it out. Check us out on our website um, and some of the episodes on the www.thealterlife.com. But if we sum it up on the servanthood of, of how to be a servant of Christ, and we look at the end of Paul's life and the things that he was concerned about the most, the servant of Christ is concerned about preaching the message of the cross. And making sure that his life is reflective of the message of the cross, the good news. Um, And everything about his life is a servant of that concept. You know, it's like everything about his life has the goal and the the point of being being an example of the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus. So if it doesn't have to do with that, the pursuit of that, it's not really... It's not important. And there's so many things that we strive for, isn't it? Isn't there? In our lives and with the materialistic culture that we have in the United States. And you know what? It's about the cross. It's about the message. And, um, you know, that's that's the most important thing. Yeah, you know what? It's, it is the, the very essence of a servant is to put your will secondary all for what the master's will is. And, and what is Jesus' will? You know, it's it's that those, that everyone will come to a saving knowledge of him. And, and for us to enlist in that, you know, and just kind of recapping, all of us have been given the opportunity and had the truth of God placed in our lives and a calling placed on our lives. And it's up to us to live worthy of that call and not be distracted by temporary, meaningless things because things are getting tough and it's only going to get worse. We got to stick to the truth and finish the race well, even if it means being abandoned. So that's what it means to be a servant of God. Thanks for spending time with us in Second Timothy. Until next week. Be cool cats. Live for Christ. <laughs>